Welcome to the Harmony Church Podcast. For more information on service times, any upcoming events, or joining a life group, please check out our website, harmonychurch.nz. We really hope this week's podcast blesses you. All right. How's everyone doing this morning? Yeah, well, it's so cool to be sharing uh, at Harmony Church. Man, what a church we have. Um, we're in week two of the new year. How's everyone feeling so far? Yeah, I'd love to know who's still stuck with their New Year's resolutions. Anyone still going strong? Seven people? Cool, cool. I suck at New Year's resolutions, I'll be honest. I said I'd read more and I, don't, I haven't picked up a book once, so, um, you know. But I'm feeling so excited about uh, the new year and the new decade, the roaring 2020s, as we like to call it. And um, I'm just so excited about what God's doing through Harmony Church. Um, who's excited that this is their church home, that you're part of a church family like this? So cool, man. And uh, yeah, it's just so cool to see what's happening all around the globe. I know Gideon's been saying a lot, as well as many others, that we're in the decade of evangelism. And um, and that's powerful, the decade of evangelism. We're in the decade where we're going to see a harvest, see souls coming to Jesus and um, you and I, we get to be a part of that. That's cool, man. I'm stoked about that. And um, it's a unique job that we have because it's not, it's not schools, it's not businesses that gets to bring in the harvest. It's the church going out into the world and we get to do all of that. So, man, I'm excited. And uh, I love Cyrus last week when he preached up a storm and he said that we're in the year of the more, the year of the double portion. So... Why don't we just receive this morning as I pray and um, just welcome Jesus to be a part of this, Um, because I'm a little bit nervous, I'm going to be honest right now. Don't be nervous, they say. All right, hey, let's all just bow our heads and let's pray. God, we just receive every good thing this morning that you have for us. God, we just thank you for the roaring 2020s, and uh, Lord, we're just excited about what you're going to do through, Lord, us individually. Lord, and us as a church corporately. And um, Lord, we just we give ourselves over to you afresh, Lord, in the new year. And um, Lord, bless this word this morning and bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to all those on live stream and uh, also to Gideon and Catherine who is traveling back from the mighty mission field of Kaiteri. Bless you guys as you come back. So hey, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Samuel, and this is my lovely wife, Amy, it's right here. And uh, we've been here for about five months, is that right? Hey, honey bunny. She hates it when I call her that. <laughs> I love marriage, because like, I just say whatever I want, and she's stuck with me for good. So man, this is it's just so good. And she gives me that face, and it's so hard to resist. Um, on the topic of marriage, hey, I just want to share a, a story with you all. I was a little bit inspired by Gideon. You know, he shares those kind of pointless stories in the morning, anecdotes. That's a nicer way of saying it. Uh, and this story is called The Wonderful Husband. Here we go. Several men are in a locker room of a golf club. You know, it's going to be a good story when it starts like that. And a mobile phone on a bench rings and a man engages the free speaker function and begins to chat. Everyone else in the room stops eagerly to listen. The man says, hello. And the woman, honey, it's me. Are you at the club? The man replies, yes. 
oh, I'm at the city center mall now and I found this beautiful leather coat. It's only $1,000. Is it okay if I buy it? The man says, sure, go ahead if you really like it. The woman replies, I also stopped by the Mercedes dealership and I saw the new 2020 model and I really, really like it. And the man said, well, how much is it? The woman replied, $98,000. So the man replied, okay, but for that price, please make sure it comes with some good features. And then the woman replied, great. Just one more thing as well. That house that I really wanted last year is back on the market. And they're only asking for $980,000. So the man said, oh, okay, just make an offer of $900,000 and uh, they'll probably take that. And if that doesn't work, maybe just add an extra fifty k on and see if that works. So the woman says, okay, I love you so much. I'll see you later. You're such a generous husband. And the man replies, you're worth it. Goodbye. And he hangs up. So the other men are like in the locker room and they're standing there confused, like they're staring at this guy in astonishment, mouths open wide. And so the man turns to them and asks, anyone knows whose phone this is? It's good. Yes, people laughed. (laughs) Uh, Who's ready for the word this morning? Yeah, who thought you were going to have a low-key service because it's like week two of Jan? Cool. Well, I just felt God give me a really clear uh, word this morning. Um, I've been reading over the story of Israel. And, um, and so right back, Abraham has promised uh, by God that he will, his descendants would see the promised land. That's the land flowing with milk and honey. And so after about, so time passes and after about uh, 400 years of the Israelites living in slavery in Egypt, they're eventually freed by Moses. And they come out of Egypt and they're stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. And I, you can imagine the disappointment um, after 400 years of captivity to 40 years in the desert eating nothing but bread. And, uh, and so somewhere between Egypt and the promised land is the wilderness. And just like the Israelites, I believe that God is calling us uh, into something new into his promises, and as we step into a new year and a new decade, um, I just believe that God's calling us to step into more of his promises. And so I'm using the, the, the words promised land kind of synonymous with the promises that he has for us. I love his word says that it's for freedom that Christ set us free. And uh, I'm so passionate about Christians not living delivered in the wilderness, but set free in the promised land. Yeah. I'll try over here. I'm excited about Christians living, not delivered in the wilderness, but set free in the promised land. Come on. Cool. And so uh, I'm going to read from Joshua 5, verses 2 to 8. Scripture's going to be on screen. Um, A little bit of context. The original generation of those that came out of Egypt were told by God they would not see the promised land because of their lack of faith and lack of obedience towards God. So that generation has all died off. And it's now their children who are going to inherit the promised land. So Moses has just died, and Joshua is now their new leader. And uh, God has just dried up the Jordan River, and now the Israelites are going to cross. The Israelites have just crossed through. So from verse two, it says this. And I apologize for the word circumcision that comes up quite a few times. These are God's words, not mine. Uh, At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, "Make flint knives." 
and circumcised the Israelites again. And so Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Shikala Bakundai. Uh, let's, next one. Now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelite had moved about in the wilderness 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they had left Egypt had died, since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land he had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. And so he raised up their sons in their place, and these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. It's good logic there. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in the camp until they were healed. This morning I'm talking about pursuing the promise. Pursuing the promise. You know, what should have been a small transition for the Israelites, scholars say about an 11-day journey, ended up taking 40 years and a whole generation dying off in the wilderness. And so God said to the generation that came out of Egypt that they would not see the promised land because of their lack of faith. And um, it's interesting when God decreed that that generation will not see the promised land, the Hebrew term that God uses there is the same term that is applied in Genesis when Joseph is spying on his brothers and reporting it back to his father. It's actually this misuse of his status, his favorite son, that leads him to being stripped of his uh, his cloak and thrown into a pit. And the punishment for him was enslavement and exile. And we also see this too with the Israelites. And I don't know about you, but I read these passages about the Israelites and think, man, these guys just seem to get it wrong over and over again. Anyone else read that and think, far out, man, these guys. And, you know, they had Moses as their leader. They had God leading ahead in a cloud and a pillar of fire. They had their whole meal plan prepped out for them. They had the Ark of the Covenant, that's the very presence of God with them. But still, with all of this, they still somehow kept missing the mark. That's what sin is, missing the mark. And it's this, you can have it all right in front of you, but you can still be around. You can still be like the Israelites wandering around because you don't run with the promises of God. And so after years of aimlessly wandering in the wilderness, the Israelites finally arrive in the promised land. And then God says, be circumcised. And if you think about that, it's not really the best battle strategy. Like, I've kind of had 40 years to do all of that circumcision stuff. And, uh, but it's when they cross through into the promised land. So now they have the Jordan River behind them. And in front of them, as we know, in the coming chapters, they have Jericho. So they're literally standing on the plains of Jericho. And God says now to circumcise themselves. And God's saying, I want to renew my promise with this generation. And in the midst of your position, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you need to know that you can trust me. And just on the dawn of the new year, I believe that God is wanting to renew his promises with us all. And for some people, he might be stirring up old dreams, old ideas, maybe old prophetic words. For others, um, birthing new dreams, new ideas. But I believe that when the body of Christ has, you know, begins to run with the promises that I believe the church can display 
like a tapestry of God's glory on the earth. Amen. And uh, I'm so excited that this is all going to happen in our lifetime. We're just going to see a harvest, man. But first, Christians need to live free in the promised land and not delivered in the wilderness. And so real simply, my sto- the moral of my story is this. The Israelites came from one place and then they were going to the other. They were stepping into the new place, the new promises that God has for them. But first they did this. They consecrated themselves to God. They lay it all on the line and said, God, I want to give it back to you. And so really quickly, I have three points, three lessons that I've learned from this story. Can I share that this morning? Cool. Who doesn't love a three-point sermon? First point is this, consecrate ourselves. And I thought originally about calling this um, point, commit yourselves, uh, commit ourselves. But then I thought about the fact that, you know, you could commit yourself to a race and then eventually bail on it. But if you like to were to consecrate yourself to a running race, you know, you're going to train hard, you're going to drink well, eat well, you're going to buy the active wear, you're going to do all those things. And so the point this morning is to consecrate ourselves, which literally means to set ourselves apart. And so the Israelites arrived at their destination that says, make flint knives, circumcise the Israelites again. So God commanded them to stop and consecrate themselves. And it's interesting that, I I find it interesting anyway, maybe just because I'm a male, but um, I find it interesting that God uses circumcision to like set a people apart. Um, The Israelites did something physical to set themselves apart. And, uh, you know, I'll take it like this. If I was to put an Israelite here next to a non-Israelite, you'll pretty quickly know who the Israelite is uh, out of the two. And so my question this morning is, what are you doing physically that sets you apart? What are you doing? What are, this is my main question this morning. Oh, so was that inappropriate? But, okay. But what about it? What about your life says to the people around you that God is real? Maybe it could be arguing less. Maybe it could be speaking better about the people around you. But I believe the first thing that we have to do, we all must, must do, is to consecrate, consecrate ourselves to God. And um, how can you consecrate yourself? And I think the deeper we allow ourselves to go in God, the deeper and the more He can move through us. But first it says we have to consecrate ourselves. I love the scripture of Matthew eleven twenty eight, in the Passion. It says, are you weary carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. Or in some translations, it says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. You'll find refreshment and rest in me, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Consecrate ourselves to him. Uh, I have this friend, uh, his name, actually, I'm not going to say his name. Um, And let me just say quick water. This guy was like literally on the worst path of anyone I've ever, ever known. He was a drug dealer. He was a crazy alcoholic. He'd been homeless multiple times. He'd been kind of in and out of jail. And so this one time he was in jail and his 
um, the chaplain came in and began to like tell him about Jesus. He got pretty angry about it, but some for some reason his heart was softened, and uh, he heard the gospel of Jesus. And um, it was in that moment that he actually surrendered himself to God. And you look at his life now; he's radically changed. He's no longer angry. He no longer uh, is in prison. This guy's completely clean of any substances. He has a very successful business. And uh, he's met the love of his life, married, has two kids. Like, the story of salvation is just so cool. And now he has a home where he opens it up for people um, who were stuck in the same position he was in. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a changed life to me. And uh, that can only happen when we surrender ourselves to God. And so my second point this morning is surrendering ourselves. And what does that look like? That could look like anything for you. Surrender means to stop resisting and to submit to the authority or influence. Surrender means to stop resisting and submit to the authority or influence. Or it means this, that someone else's will overrides our own. God is in charge of me, not me. And so when God's in charge, it begins to affect everything. It affects how we you know, use our time, how we manage our finances, our relationships, our schools and our workplaces. And uh, something so important about surrender, I believe. And uh, I think the story of the Israelites are incredible in the coming chapters. Um, who knows the story of Jericho? All those stories that come after. You know, God uses a people that have walked away from him countless times. Like seriously, walked away. Like, Muppets, come on. They've walked away from him countless times, but God uses these people to take the city of Jericho and to eventually spread the gospel all around the world. And it's because they surrendered themselves to his will. So my question this morning is, what can you do? What can you surrender to God? Because when we surrender our lives to him, he begins this transformative work inside of us. And I love this quote from Andrew Murray. It says, God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life that is wholly surrendered to him. Do you know that when there's change inside of you, there'll be change around you. When you truly surrender yourself to God, you watch as God begins to change situations in your life. When he starts to change things around you. And uh, the best way that we can get people into church isn't putting on the best music, although these guys are pretty amazing. They did a pretty good job this morning. Jeremy on the drums. First time I heard you, man. You are amazing. Woo! And it's not the new people's packs, although Joe does incredible. I love the chocolate, all that. It's not the coffee, although, can I get a witness? Coffee is pretty fantastic in Jesus' name. Uh, it's when people see the transformative power of Jesus in our lives. And suddenly it's, uh, you know, our colleagues want to come to church with us on a Sunday morning. Suddenly people are getting healed in our service. Suddenly, you know, church just doesn't remain for a Sunday morning, but churches throughout the week. And suddenly we're adding a third service onto our Sundays because God is beginning to do a work here. And man, I'm just excited, eh? The time's ahead for harmony. Man, we're just believing for the best things. And it's because we surrender and give our lives to Jesus and he transforms us. And as a church, we just stand at such an exciting moment. As Gideon says, we need to just make room in our hearts for what God's doing in this place. Philippians 3.12 says this, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, 
but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. That's cool. And so my last point is the band comes up. Thanks, band. Um, don't leave me hanging. <laughs> That's really cool. You look back in the story and Moses represents the law, the old covenant that God made with mankind. You know, it says that God's presence was leading them out of Egypt and they were led by a pillar and the cloud. And so the Israelites literally camped around this pillar of fire and it says, the Bible says that when they, when the cloud moved, that they moved. Where you look at Joshua and his life represents grace, represents the new covenant covenant that God made with mankind. And I love this subtle but like life-changing shift. It says in Joshua 1, it says, God says to Joshua, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So it's changed from we follow God wherever He goes to He follows us wherever we go. And it's this huge shift that it's no longer about God going ahead, but it's actually we make the move and God follows us. And so my third point this morning is we have to move ourselves. And this is where it becomes missional. You see, in the wilderness, God provided everything that Israelites ever needed. You know, food that literally fell from heaven, clothes that never wore out, Yeezys that never got scuffed, if you like, or off-whites, whatever you're into, eh, Jared? But in the promised land, they had to dig their own wells. They had to grow their own food. They actually had to work hard for what they wanted. And I feel like God's saying that it's time for us to dig our wells. It's time for us to dig deeper wells. It's time for us to grow our food. It's time for us to move. And we can't sit comfortably in our chair and just wait for these things to happen. We have to do them ourselves. God is calling us to move. And uh, recently my wife, Amy, and I just started a cafe. There's my plug. Um, for Walker Street, just up there. Um, <laughs> uh, I was dear to do that, guys. Don't worry. Um, and uh, yeah, we're believing that God is going to use it somehow to showcase His glory. I don't know how, but I shared a testimony, um, I think it was a week or two ago, about this lady who came in who had had regular migraines. She got healed in our cafe. Like, come on, how good is God? And uh, we had this other guy come in maybe a few days ago. And uh, he came in to the counter. He ordered his long black. Um, he went and sat down. He pulled out this leather-bound book. Who knows that when someone pulls out a black leather-bound book that probably most likely they're a Christian. Um, and so I brought his coffee over and we had a bit of a chat and he just begins to prophesy over me. And uh, I was like, wow, this is cool. Um, and he just said all the stuff about divine favor and all that it was really cool about how um, God's going to use us to lead to conversations um, about God and his love. But you know what? I walked away 
and I was encouraged with the Word, but I was actually more encouraged that God used this guy, this banker from ANZ, in his morning devotion to share about the good news of Jesus. You know, that's what I was inspired. That's what I walked away with. And if this guy can do it, I can do it. If I can do it, we all can do it. I just believe God's calling us to move. And so I just have one really simple challenge for this morning. And uh, it's simply this, to share our testimony with one person this week. Every person, share their testimony with one person. It's super easy. It doesn't have to be this big, scary thing. It doesn't have to be super freaky Christian, you know, rolling and shaking and all that. It can just be sharing our story about what God has done in our life. Yeah, I saw it. I don't know if Kelso's here. But I saw Kelso's testimony on Facebook about his healing. And flip, man, that guy's got a powerful testimony of God's healing. And I was so inspired by that. Kelso, if you're listening, or I'll tell you later anyway. But I think the biggest lie humans tell themselves is, Maybe they're not ready, it's not time, whatever it is. But I just feel like God is saying this morning that He's actually more focused on progression rather than perfection. He would actually rather us progress forward rather than us try and get all the ducks in the line and get everything perfect. Because when we're weak, when we are like feeble, all this, He's strong and we can rely on His grace. And so just as we come to a close um, I just want to encourage us that God's just calling every single one of us to move, to move closer to Him, to move closer to uh, the promises that He has for all of us. And uh, the story comes to a conclusion. The Israelites get through the wilderness. They enter the promised land. Standing before them are the great dirty walls of Jericho. And then God allows these guys to conquer their enemy. And... Uh, Yeah, I just feel a real heart for Christchurch. And I feel like God loves this city and He wants to see the city brought back to Him. And uh, He's just looking for a people that'll move and people that'll be inspired to pick up their cross, whatever that means for them, and actually move and begin to share the gospel of Jesus. Why don't we all stand to our feet? Pursuing the promise. You know, God has promises for every single one of us. God has a promise for this church and uh, His promise for this church is that this city would be one for Jesus. And uh, you look at our leaders, pastors Gideon and Catherine and their heart for the city, man, it's, it's inspiring. But you know what? We can't do it alone. We need Jesus. And uh, maybe you've heard this word this morning and you know, you've realized that I got to point one of my sermon about consecrating yourself, committing yourself over to God. And maybe you realize that actually you aren't even there yet. You haven't even gotten to that stage. And I just want to give opportunity for every single person to, uh, at the start of the new year and a new decade, to actually commit themselves fresh to Jesus. And so if you haven't committed yourself, if you haven't consecrated yourself over in a few moments, few moments I'm going to invite you to do so. Why don't we all just close our eyes? You know, people don't get to the end of their life and regret what they've done. They regret what they didn't do. And so let me encourage you this morning that giving your life to Jesus, living a life of Jesus will bring purpose, will bring passion, will bring your promises out. 
And uh, I just want to encourage you, this is the best decision you'll ever make. Uh, maybe you've heard all this before. Maybe you gave your life to Jesus once and then walked away. And you're hearing this word this morning and something inside is saying, you know, you want to give your life back to Him. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that as well. So just with every eyes closed, I just want to first invite the Holy Spirit into this moment. God, we just thank you that you're knocking on the door of every heart in this place. If there's anyone here that wants to get right with God, they want to consecrate themselves to Him, why don't you just put your hand up right now with every eye closed. Just say, Lord, I want to start this year fresh with you. You just put up your hand and I'll bless it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Another one there. Thank you. Just a few more moments. The best decision you'll ever make. I actually love what Billy Graham said. He said, indecision in itself is a decision. Decide for Jesus. It's the best thing you'll ever do. Two more seconds. Cool. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're all going to join in on this prayer together. Everyone repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for your life that was poured out on the cross. God, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your grace. And we thank you we can have new life in you. God, we commit ourselves to you at the dawn of a new year and a new decade. God, we just thank you for the promises that you have for us. God, we just declare that, Lord, everything that you have promised us is a yes and amen through you. And so, God, we just, uh, Lord, we receive every good thing that you have for us. God, we pray that you would inspire us and encourage us in the promises and in the dreams that you have for us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.